Hey awesome nerds, and welcome to another episode of D&D and TV, the weekly podcast where we rewatch or recap television shows we really enjoy, and talk about how the themes, concepts, and characters could be used in your role-playing games. I am your host, Jeremy, and I don't have an intro for a thief this time, because I did not think it through, but he's here with me as well. I've been Hi, summoned through a hex gate. Ooh, that's a good one. You've shown up through a hex gate. Uh, I was too far away before. Because uh, we are talking about Arcane Season 1, Episode 4, Happy Progress Day. With Piltover prospering from their tech, Jason Victor weigh the next move. A familiar face re-emerges from Zorn to wreak havoc. Ooh, intriguing. Uh, this is the episode where it's Progress Day. It's much better. Hextech is making Piltover amazing. But Silco has some evil plans and Jinx kind of goes nuts and blows shit up. That, that yeah, sounds about right. a lot yeah. of stuff. Like there's a time skip. I think that's the yes. big thing. Um, We've talked about time skips before um, in yes. our Edge Runners episode. Yeah, um, I don't remember anything we said, so I guess we could say it again. We can skip back. Um, no, the thing with the time skip is that it. you have to do uh, you have to do a lot of exposition again, basically, right? Yeah. You have to kind of re redo exposition. I felt that it was handled pretty well in this. Yeah, honestly, for how kind of dense and complicated the world can be. Um, mm. Yeah, but it's the same thing like in a campaign, if you're running it and you do do a time skip, you have to make sure you kind of establish, okay, this is where this thing is at. This is what what's happened with this thing. Like you really, it's just good, important to be on the same page, you know? Yeah. I think it's it's good to get out of the way at the start of the session with the recap of this is what happened last session sort of attitude. But in this case, it's, hey, well, you remember that world that we were in? Well, it's changed in these ways. Yeah. Um, I do like that it started kind of, you know, positive and bright and, mm. you know, um, in contrast, if you're binging it and you after the end of the last episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the end of the last episode is like, oh, look, everyone's dead and like the world's horrible. And yeah, it's great for, for Jason Victor, but shit, it's really shit for um for Vi and, and Powder. Yeah. Uh, you mean it's, it's great for Piltover, but bad for Zorn? Wow, crazy. Yeah, what, what's the deal with that? Uh, now, the first thing we kind of see that Hextech has been able to do is the Hexgates. Like Yeah. So okay, how long do you think it's been in the time skip? I'd say ten years. Fifteen 10? years maybe. Yeah. Fifteen? How long is it meant to be? I reckon Six? it's like I could see ten, but I would say like, yeah, between like five and ten. Yeah, I'm I'm going for ten. Ten kind of makes sense, yeah. Yeah. Like I'm um, maybe maybe um, eight to ten. I'm not well, going I can't remember. She's she's not really in episode three, but like Caitlin, there's a lot more focus on Caitlin in this episode, and she's yes. Caitlin. I'm is trying to think how young day. she was. I'm trying to think how young she was in the other episode. Well, she looked like late teens in the previous episodes. You reckon? So she's like mid twenties. You reckon? Like, yeah, she's about as old as Vi. I'd say, right? Yeah, I ship Vi and Caitlin like immediately. They oh, had wow. exactly. Crazy. They they yeah, had ooh. like five scenes to, seconds together. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> I ship them. Uh, well, you could see that coming. <laughs> hey, well, I, enjoy... I feel like. Yeah, you'll enjoy the rest of the series then. <laughs> I feel like I am being unfairly judged <laughs> when I am not exactly sure why. You're just you're like just like decades behind the League of Legends community on everything. Oh, okay, good. Okay, good. So it's me- well. Here's the problem. I also ship Kate and Jace a little bit. Yeah. Also, yeah. That's, okay. Good. People have been there, been there, done that. Okay, well, honestly, when you come to a fan, Victor and Jace like was a big, big thing as well. Yeah. Yeah, Victor and Jace is is pretty explicit, um, but I don't know something about the tropes in Caitlin's investigations and just she suddenly appeared as like this character that I'm much more invested in than I was expecting. Yeah. 
Well, it's all about, that's the thing, again, there's just so many characters and it's about balancing the screen time of each of the different characters and stuff. Um, Mm. And there's actually another character that comes up later as pretty important that we've met now, but who hasn't had much screen time, but then later on becomes important and you see a lot of them. Uh, Yes, Echo. I didn't say Echo. Did you say Echo? Echo? I didn't say Echo. Who said Echo? Do you hear an Echo? I assume because he's named and he's got coloured hair. He's one of the he's one of the characters that didn't die at the end of yeah. the other episode from Zorn. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's named like he's got a cool name. Um, all right. Well, which character do you want to talk about first? Because I want to talk about Jace. I want to talk about Jinx, and I want to talk about Caitlyn. Um, let's start with Jace because I think that's okay. the start of the episode, right? Kind of focuses on Jace. Yeah, yeah. Jace. And the I feel. Stuff, yeah. Last week we were talking about Jace as like the paladin sort of aspect and i can see what you mean now like after this that, episode yeah yeah that shining paragon the man what is it called the man of the year or something man of the <laughs> man of the year man of the year man of the year there's something like he's got his face on yeah he was and... he was voted like piltover's top sexiest man you know accurate um <laughs> given that the <laughs> the competitors are like a little um terrier man and like yeah i'm a dinger yeah yeah i'm a dinger and and uh silco well, like, well yeah actually pretty right. much all the other men i'm trying to think like all the council members are just like awful like yeah <laughs> like, I maybe marcus something. like yeah yeah like marcus this is pretty hot um yeah there's that moment when they're in the council and the dude that got the gift in the in the second episode he's still playing with it <laughs> it wasn't the same one. I didn't know. It's the same one. <laughs> He's still figuring it out, yeah. yeah. I'm still figuring it out. I love that little callback. That was great. Anyway, Jace, as this, this... He's very heavy on the charisma, this one. It's very much about his desires, because he's talking about... He's he's developed, basically, Iron Man armor now. He's got his... Like, this is what we can do with Hextech. We've developed a new way of storing the crystal so everyone can use it now. There's still some problems to to work out, and he's much more. He's got more, more PC energy to me in this episode than he's had in yes. previous ones. Yeah, and I think to me that means that he's getting pulled by two different Heimerdinger, Oppenheimer, whatever his name is. Um, <laughs> Oppenheimer Dinger. Oppen, Oppen, Oppenheimer Dinger. Um, what's the Mel well, the irony no. is that, um, yeah, Melmadata is the, Melmadata, the yeah. lady, yeah, with like all the gold, yeah, yeah, that the two of them are kind of pulling him the different ways. Like yeah, well, there was a moment, one... um, like later <laughs> where I felt like it felt almost like a little bit railroady, um, where it was like they're, they're trying to decide like what to do, and then Jace does like the responsible thing. Um, and I feel like everyone was expecting him not to, you know, like Victor yeah. was disappointed, Mel was disappointed. And then, but then they ended up having like, because of all the jinx stuff that happened, they kind of like forced him down that road anyway. Like I felt like a bit railroady, like the DM wasn't expecting him to be responsible. They're like, oh, oh we need to come up with a new kind of conflict so that Jace, we kind of have to draw Jace into this, you know? Well, see, I didn't see it as railroady at all. I saw it as the DM or the game master kind of feeling them out in the speech aspect. It's like, well, which path are you going to pick? Because I know which way the story is going to go, but how everyone else reacts to you depends on this choice. Like, it's not so much railroady about putting him on the council. That was always decided in the game. But if he picks the, the, let's do things for progress's sake and, like, because I want to believe and I've got this this massive power, then suddenly it's about the corruption that that can give you. Like, now he's going to go down the the evil route of how far are you willing to go for security aspect. Whereas if he's rejecting the power, it's like, okay, well, how do we slowly corrupt you into believing the same thing? And how do people not trust you because of, of that aspect? But yeah, it felt very much like he's made the choice, but the world is going to respond the same way no matter what choice he makes. Yeah, and it's about yeah. how he interacts with that choice, with that that world that is uncaring to his desires. Yeah, because that I I really like. I often do that with my plays. It's like certain things 
the story will happen no matter what the players decide because it's their world they're experiencing but the world is much bigger than them and they cannot control the world so um it's about what you stand against and which side you pick um yeah there's a lot of that in this series um and they kind of yeah i thought it was interesting as well how they approached the hex tech and the development of that over the time skip mm. um because again they're being like pretty vague and hand wavy with a lot of it um but it felt like they didn't i don't know like they didn't they only invented the hex gates right and like nothing else in that time skip and then all of a sudden it's but then it- now it's like there's more stuff yeah it seemed like there was two things that had been developed. Like they said, we did this for the council and we did the hex gates for the council. I think it was just making the crystals in the first place, perhaps. Or Oh, maybe it was. Maybe it was yeah. just like stabilizing the crystals. But yeah, yeah. that to me, I, I like that as well because it shows that They've had this great idea, but the council's kind of swooped in and going, yeah, okay, but now do this for us because we've got the ideas. Because you didn't even know what you were going to do with it previously. And now it's starting to become, well, this is a little bit more individual. They do want to change the world. And it seems like for the better. But as soon as he's building that glove and like the laser, I'm like, holy shit, these are going to be weapons. He's going to make these into weapons. Someone's going to make these into weapons. No. Like, this is a game about fighting. Oh, my God. What if there's got weapons? (laughs) um yeah so i think that's the aspect of it like the game master is testing jace's player and saying all right what route do you want to go down on do you want to see the folly of making weapons out of this tech or do you want to be fighting back against somebody else who's doing that yeah um i thought there was a really cool moment as well um when he was talking about I think this is a cool thing you can kind of put in your games as well, where it's like uh, Heimerding is there and he's talking about like the, it's like, oh, yes, this is great new invention. And then, um, yes, just give it like a decade Um, because he's like an immortal being or whatever, you know, like he lives forever uh, or he lives however long Long enough. So, yeah, yeah, just like the those little details in terms of how they perceive time. And obviously for Jason, for Victor, they're like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, that's ages. It's been a decade. Yeah yeah no i like that as well i thought that was a really cool little aspect because it was that yeah to me it's a blink of an eye like this is going to be this is going to change the world in a century or so once it's really developed yeah that that idea that longer live races like dwarves or elves particularly in fantasy can take that longer view of history yeah it's a tough thing as well to like put into your games because oftentimes the events of your games just happen in like a couple of months or weeks or whatever you know it's like a day yeah it's like i went from being a farmer to a demigod in the space of a month Mm -hmm. that happened i mean what do you Uh, mean that doesn't happen that happens to every farmer. but then all the elves that have been living for hundreds of years just you know they're still just (laughs) commoners they didn't they didn't want it hard enough that's the problem Uh, And this actually brings me to my next point about Jace as a player character who's a celebrity in the world. Yeah. Like, I like that idea that he's now someone who has to go to these events, has to, they give him responsibility, but also kind of put a target on his back and seeing how a player responds to that. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting. I think part of the reason why it works is that he doesn't want to be a celebrity. Um, yeah. I think that's the big difference, right? Um, he's not like looking to take advantage of his position or, or anything like that. Well, how would you show that in a world? Would you have like people coming up to them and asking for autographs? Would you have people saying, Hey, I really need your help. You're the only one that can do it sort of aspect, even though they're like, I just, I've got my, yeah. continually giving them side quests and saying, but you're the only one. Um, for sure. Like I've been, so I've been reading some other non D and D RPGs lately. And, Thank God. Uh, <laughs> yes, I know, right? Uh, one of them that I've been reading is called Household, and it's all about your players, like little people, uh, like tiny little kind of fey beings, and you fight spiders and stuff like that. It's very adorable. 
Oh, like the copper um, people from from Terry Pratchett's The Copper. Yeah, like borrowers and you know things yeah. like that. Um, uh, it's really really cool. I like it a lot from what I've been reading so far. Um, but there's a mechanic in there where you have like a a level of decorum essentially on your character sheet. Uh, mm. You can either be like poor and then you know really fancy at the other end, and basically you know as you do things, maybe things will go up and down with your decorum. Um, and in some societies, you know, in some social situations, you want like a certain level. Um, but then on the flip side, if you're trying to deal with, you know, scum of the earth, black alley, mm. you know, you're trying to buy some illegal weapons or whatever, then having your decorum level too high is going to be a hindrance instead. Um, yeah, because so that's you're a cool. Stand out that's like the same all. idea. Yeah, so that's like the same idea, yeah. but like integrated in the mechanics. It's really fun. Yeah. yeah, I like that. That's a good way of putting it in, because I know. Um, Oh, I think it's, I think cyberpunk has the reputation stat, like that the increase, and that's the same yeah. sort of style. That it's like, well, some people are going to respond to you negatively if you've got a good reputation, and some will respond to you positively. Yeah, I think yeah, just I, the, the I like idea that, that it that goes concept. both ways, and it's not an inherently positive or negative thing. Essentially, yeah, yeah, and I think that just that. People's attitudes will not depend on your actions, but how you're perceived. Yes. Yeah, I, I like that. And I like that being able to put a player character in that position and, again, see how they react. And I think it's part of the power fantasy in a lot of games as well. It's like you want to be the the hotshot reporter. You want to be the superstar athlete. You want to be you know, the hero who saved the kingdom sort of aspect. Yep. Yeah. Uh, anything else you wanted to talk about, Jace? Um, well, I just wanted to clarify some kind of the real history of Runeterra. Um, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> well, this episode was when stuff like the Hex Gates immediately afterwards was like, oh, I was dealing with my players being like, well, where are these in the game and all that stuff? And I have to clarify. Um, you hear them, they mentioned Progress Day. Um, mm. So in the lore that my game is based off, um, Essentially, Progress Day, it commemorates the founding of Piltover originally. And basically, originally, Piltover was founded because of the construction of something called the Sun Gates, um, which are kind of like, it's very like Panama Canal. It like connected these kind of two bodies of water. Um, important trade route, essentially established because of that. So very similar to like the Hexgate thing. They're like taking those same ideas. Um, but that was like, the original founding of Piltover was based on that. And... That was done by the family Madada in kind of my my game and the kind of quote-unquote canon lore. So that's where the name Madada comes from, actually. So it's interesting to see how they've like taken those ideas and shifted them around a little bit. Okay. Um, and basically when... Sorry, when the Sun Gates were first constructed, there was a big explosion and uh, a lot of Zorn got flooded. And basically that was kind of the start of the, the Piltover Zorn kind of divide as well so ah and there was a mention about how zorn they're the the workers that ever everything is built on kind is of that, yeah is that an accurate okay um yeah kind of i think they're probably it's just that tricky thing of like where does one city end and the other one begins right and like how much of a how much are they independent or dependent on each other i guess they're a symbiotic relationship yeah. You like and the Naboo. I've just told yeah. Um yeah. I have a question about hex hex gates as well. Yes. So obviously you don't have them in your I won't, setting. Yeah, I won't know because they're not a thing. <laughs> they weren't a thing before Arcane, so Oh, okay. What do you think um, that's yeah. just something that they decided to do to have some sort of um what do you call um economic reason for hex tech to be so powerful yeah i think so um i mean again it's like it's the same idea right as like the sun gates where it's like this is the dawn of a new age for piltover essentially that's what it is well um, i kind of saw it as this is their version of fast travel in a video game but also in rpgs people want to travel places it instantly it's teleportation yeah. It's like, this is kind of going to the next level. It's like, well, what does that do for a society if you do have this power? Like, 
do good suddenly get sent much quicker? Do you who benefits from this this kind of thing? It's same for um, uh, Eberron, which I feel that Arcane and League of Legends heavily drew on in many ca- yep. cases, or with the the dirigibles and other aspects. Uh, so going going from the dirigibles, would you like to talk about Jinx next? Jinx, sure. You mean powder? Previously known as Powder, but now seems to have embraced her name as Jinx. Um, well, I guess, well, there's the bit at the start. There's the whole, uh, the smuggling sequence and that whole. Yeah. Oh, fight. the firelights. I fucking Which, love that. Which that was firelights. a great, yeah. Yeah. Firelights want, are great. Super cool. I want to do a cyberpunk game where it's just, you're running as the fire as the firelights. Yeah, do it. Who's stopping you? Yeah. Uh, you, Coward. you're not letting me. You're making me do oh, this podcast. <laughs> yeah, fair. No, I, I love that. They're so, again, so iconic. You've got the individual ones. Like, they've all got the different masks. Um, they've all got a, a sort of individual feel to them. Um, and yes. they just, they do seem to be interested, like in a Robin Hood style, of trashing the shimmer. Like, they're not stealing it for them they're clear that this is a bad thing and they're like, cool, let's burn it all. Um, yeah, clearly not on the same side as Silco, but mm. also I think pretty clearly from Zorn, definitely not the yeah. the kind of clean aesthetic of Piltover. Yeah, but we were talking about Jinx and we see that she's a little bit crazy. She's a little bit Harley Quinn. Yes. We also see she's a lot more proficient now, which I think is the main thing. Yeah. Very, so much more proficient. Like she yeah, can do to the point where like... Well, she had that like the Batman moment, right? Where the 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 other what's it called? The firelights were like stuck down there and they activated the yeah. traps and they're like, Oh no, like she's here. She's here. The bat's here. Yeah, that was cool. I like that. I uh, Okay, here's my question. Is she a hero? Yes. Like, if you were creating her as a character, would you make her play a character hero or NPC villain? I think I would make her an NPC um, mm-hmm. just because I think it's too easy for, I think the whole kind of the mental stability aspect of that would be like very tiring as a player to have a player like that, essentially. Yeah. Unless you it's really want to like delve into it. Yeah. 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 And it's it's a little bit too easy to go into the wacky aspect of it, or it's just what my character would do when you stab someone or steal their yeah, stuff. It's or, really, yeah, it's really hard to like tread that line, I think. I like the idea of having her on the same side as the heroes or as the as the player characters, particularly if you're running like a villainous, not evil, but like a dark adventuring party, and to have her be like the the upper echelons of whatever crime syndicate, like that she's their contact. It's like, so occasionally she'll give them jobs and be like, just go fucking blow everything up. Cause it's going to be really cool kind of aspect. Yeah. She, I mean, she's like obviously pretty chaotic. Um, and it depends if you want to make her like neutral or evil. She doesn't necessarily have to be like evil with ulterior motives. Like she's serving a higher purpose, but she can be yeah. evil just for the sake of, looking out for herself, you know, just vested self-interest. Yeah, I think that's the thing, that she's always going to be looking out for herself. And look, she's got her own agenda, but that may not match with anybody else's. Like, she's got her own desires, and that will be specific for her, and they may not make sense to anyone else either. Yeah, I think those are my favourite kind of evil characters to have either in a party or kind of aligned with a party. Yeah. 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 Those, those are kind of fun because it's, it's the benefit of keeping them around is bigger than the benefit of knocking them off. Yeah. Because you still get a bunch of adventures and they are tough to fight. And all right. I have the, the problematic relationship between Silco and, and Jinx is um, incredibly problematic. He just cares about I, I don't her. Know. Yeah, he does. He definitely. I felt almost <laughs> like he feels a little bit awkward about it. <laughs> like um, he's been, yeah, he's manipulating her the entire to like the last ten years, let's say. But he's also like, okay, but you are still a child, and I'm not going to do anything like too creepy to you. But you're like hit. 
your hormones are hitting in. You see me like this. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm squeaked out by you. I'm squeaked <laughs> out by you is what Silco's saying. Yeah, he's got boundaries, right? Like, Yeah. Mm. And um, I kind of like yeah, that aspect, that he does have those it boundaries. It is, like, it's very like, subtle. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I, but I, I do think it's, like, it's that subtle thing of just, like, she's just, like, a little too close up in his personal space. And yeah. it's, like, enough. It's just enough, right? Where you, you, as the audience, you kind of see it, and you're like, that's kind of weird. Like, that makes me feel yeah. a little... Makes me feel a little, a little uncomfortable. Yeah. And I... To me, it makes it seems like Silco feels uncomfortable as well. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's just like, oh, I don't like this, but I have to prove I'm tough. Um, um, because and he he's pretty much, her. yeah, and pretty much every time we've seen Silco, he's always been very much in control of everything. Mm. Like, so it is an interesting kind of dichotomy, yeah, contrast. Interestingly enough, the only time he's not in control is with Jinx. Like even when she's powder and she sets off the bomb, that's the closest he's come to getting messed up. Yeah. And again, it's her that's it's doing it. So yeah, um, I yeah. I like their relationship. I'm squeaked out by their relationship as well. Um, <laughs> but I do like that again. She's more. She's uncontrollable by him, and that that aspect of he. He's always been in control before, but the fact that she's so heavily devoted to him as well. Yeah, um, and he's obviously you know kept her around, and mm. yeah, he, she wouldn't have done so unless she was useful, right? Over the, all the years, yeah. so I always like having that villain or the villain sidekick who's so much more interesting, more powerful than the villain, and like they're the one that's going. Oh yeah, yeah that the players have that opportunity to to knock them off, but also if you can get around them, then the boss is easy. Sort of. Yeah, aspect. I and like- I feel like Jinx takes that role. I like the idea of villains that aren't very powerful, you know? Like, mm. in terms of just, like, a power level, they're just not- On their own, they're not so much a threat, but it's more kind of what they represent or who they're connected yeah. to. And so there is still that that fear that comes with them, but I think that just yeah. it it drives home harder when you see that they themselves are not particularly capable. Hmm. I think we've talked about that before a number of times, probably in the Edge Runners, when we were talking about what's his face, the um, the fixer, Gus. Sure, G- Gus Fring. <laughs> yeah, the guy that um, oh, why can't I, I don't know his, his name? Yeah, the, he's. Anyway, the Faraday? guy Faraday, yes, Faraday. The yeah. guy that when we're talking about Faraday. Um, Four eyes. Yeah. So yeah, I I like that that aspect of him. I do like Jinx and I like her the I like the way her mental state's shown. Cause I, I have a theory, um, and I can't remember okay. where I saw this from, that celebrities and people who have suffered massive trauma stay at the same age that they were when that happened. Okay. And um, I feel, why, why I feel that this is because it's massive trauma. Uh, <laughs> so like Jace? Getting, yeah. Essentially, the Jace was like a fully formed adult, but he was cocky. He was self-assured. He's like, no, no, I can I can just do what I want because that that proves to me that, yeah. that um, the thing. And that's kind of how he acts. This is how he acts with Caitlin. He's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this as a favor and you should kind of be grateful for it. So he's still that 20-something kid who's pushing the bounds of what's safe. And he's sometimes- I, mean, I thought that was that a pretty valid move from Jace there. I'm just going to put it, it out was. there. <laughs> it is. But that's the point, that he's pushing the- He's still doing it. Like, he's still not thinking about what are the consequences of putting this tech into the hands of people. Yeah. And he's starting to learn, but that's the point. He's still still that kid. And Jinx is the same. That she internally is still a ten year old and acts like a ten year old. Yeah, we do see that. Um she's just more dangerous now because she's gotten yeah, better at her she's bombs. Got a, and a fucking awesome gun. Yeah. Um, she's yeah, she's got yeah. Well, that's the other thing is that the um, 
the whole like level of technology and the kind of like ambiguity behind that as well. Um, it's weird because it's just like it's never really explained, but it also just never feels off, right? It's like because no. mm. it's not like everyone has guns. Um, I think there was one of the the people on the ship, like when they were fighting the firelights, had like a harpoony type gun. It seemed like you know yeah. it was shooting these projectiles, maybe, but it was like a two shot. Um, where she's got this absolute Gatling gun, like, yeah. Mm. And Caitlin's got a pistol as well, so it seems like the Enforcers have got guns. Yeah. No, I uh, like but it that, all just that kind not, of works, The guns yeah. aren't the end-all and be-all. It's just like, you've got a gun because you like guns, and you've got a sword because you like yeah. swords. And that's and how I think it should be for, for a D&D campaign, yeah. Or for any RPG campaign. It's like, because of the way the rules are balanced, you can pretty much use whatever you want that fits with your concept of the character. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, using a whip is just as as um, legitimate and valid as using, say, a trident. Well, whips are kind of shit. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I've got a player who's running um, a whip hexblade warlock, which is really interesting. Have you been playing... No, you haven't been playing Baldur's Gate, have you? I haven't. I have um, a life. Uh, no, I don't have a good I, enough computer I, I, or, I also haven't. Or I also haven't been playing it, so it's kind of awkward to bring it up. But uh, I do know won't. that... Uh, I do know that they've incorporated, I think, like, special moves for each of the weapons, basically. Um, oh, cool. So for, so for the martial classes, depending on what weapon you're using, you get, like, a special move. Um, so which is a cool almost, way of making yeah the different weapons special. kind of viable yeah almost like the playtest documents that came out from Wizards of the Coast not too long ago ah uh, who plays with those no one no one no it does I do like that idea that particular weapons have like an extra little bonus so it's not just I'm using a great axe and I get to roll two d ten it's like no I'm or two d six or whatever it is I'm using this and it means i can cut through an enemy or i'm using a maul and i get to knock them back like have it be yeah i just i don't like where you know like if if a player wants to use a whip because it's cool like i want them to use the whip because it's cool i don't want them to be punished mechanically for it though where it's like okay well you just have to do you know half as much damage as you would otherwise with a different weapon like Mm. that just feels bad I, I just like whips. I do want to have a um, a car- like a, a villain or something where it's two whips that are actually chains, basically the chain devil from from D and D, and just have that whip 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 and crack whip crack kind of kind of aspect. I realize that making the whip crack noise that I normally do doesn't really work as well on audio because it'll blow out the speakers. So I'm just going to say whip crack. Yeah, whip crack, whip crack, whip crack, whip crack. So much better. Uh, anything else you wanted um, to talk about with Jinx? I really loved that fight scene on the ship. Um, yeah, that looked cool. I loved the little, the like crystal, growing crystal grenade type things that the firelights are using. Yeah. Um, I have so many questions. But I also just liked, I liked it because it was, the action was simple, right? It's like, there's a focus on, it's not like, let's try and fit as much stuff in as we can. It's like, here are these like very clear, distinct movements. Like, oh, she's doing a kick, and there's like the big wind-up for the kick. There's the kick, and there's like exaggerated motion. And it's just one kick, you know, but it's like, it's very specific movements. The way that they kind of hold themselves when they shoot the guns and things like that, these like very pronounced movements and, and poses. I really like all of that. It's just very, just clear, distinct shapes, and it's great. I'm wondering about that. Is that partly because of the the video game style that they've got a, a model that they can go from, or is it that mm, aspect I of don't posing think from so. art? I don't. I think it's more leaning into like the like away from the realism. I guess of like it's it's that comp it's that complicated thing with an animated show of like because animation is inherently not realistic, right? Where it's you know if they're yeah. just kind of walking and talking and just doing ordinary stuff, it's very grounded but then once you start doing the kind of more action oriented stuff it's okay let's start exaggerating the movements a bit let's make it a little bit more abstract i like that that reasoning i will i think it works amazing yeah i think think it does fantastic 
I think it, it very, hits that aesthetic of the series that I think has been so also hoverboards so far. Come on. Oh yeah, yeah fucking hoverboards. hoverboards. Yeah. Do you think that's Hextech? Because it's green. It's not the blue of Hextech. Uh, who knows, right? Who knows? Yeah. Why is magic blue? What would green magic be? Anyway. Um, so, well, I think we'll move from that cool sequence to talking about Caitlin and her her investigation of aforementioned sequence. Yep. Some uh, classic, you know, police working the beat. Um, mm-hmm. She's got a camera. That's a I thing, love the camera. <laughs> I like that it's only black and white as well. Uh, <laughs> uh, the camera's fun. I think there's, yeah, it's just a fun little, it looks very old timey, but then it's, it's obviously portable and very like yeah. Polaroid kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And that she's doing it for her own little, it, own little investigation. It's not official because Marcus shows up and is like, mm, bad, naughty, get out of here. Yeah. We see some interesting stuff with my, oh, we see one of the enforcer got, not the police enforcers, but the one of the Zorn oh, yeah, dudes the, has got the tattoos, of, like yeah, yeah, the guy that um, one punched got one punched by by Vi, yeah, and it's and it's those little things Jinx. as well where it's like, oh, I recognize that guy because he's recognizable, you know, even though he's a minor yeah. character. Well, this is what I was saying last week that he's a minor character, but we recognize him as working for for Silco, and later on when who's the the woman with the one arm now. Um, when she comes back, Savika, when she's telling, when she comes to report to Silco about, you know, Jinx fucking up and shooting up the whole place, we see a couple of the other people from the ship in the, in the bar. Like she grabs the, the, she grabs a jug off one of them and, and takes it away. So we kind of see this is their crew. These are the the other people from around there. Yeah. Again, it's like these are recognizable people. We kind of know where we are. We know who works for who now. Um. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Caitlin finds that guy. Caitlin finds that guy. Um, that guy. Does he have a name? I'm going to call him I don't... Orc Man because he looks like an orc. <laughs> sure. It's going to be he's, uh, come more like a Goliath, I'd say, but sure. Yeah. Right. I'll give you that. But he's got all the cool tattoos. Right. And he looks like Caitlin, he's about to turn investigation. She's a young yeah. upcomer. Um, you know, spunky cop. Um, yeah, she is. All the other police hate her for different reasons. I like that that's shown as well. Yeah. But there's the, it's not just she's, you know, not corrupt like the rest of them. It's like, no, she's a noble and she's got different attitudes to them. Yeah, her decorum level is too high to associate yeah. with these police officers. Except she doesn't seem to be trying for that. It's just that's how they see her again. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And, okay, here's my other question. What the fuck is up with the outfits that they're making the Enforcer women wear? <laughs> that's a holdover from just her design in League of Legends, like... That's what she's designed like, and they're like, "Oh, I guess we just have to make the rest of the cops look like her." Um, but yeah, she's very classic, like steampunk. I think she was wor- her original design was worse. Oh, great! Because I'm just saying, Grayson didn't have that fucking much thigh on show. I mean, we wish, right? <laughs> but it's just it, that threw me out a little bit. That was like, "Oh, I see. Okay, we're going to the maid cafe, and the anime characters are coming along." Oh, her original design was a bit worse. Um, yeah, you said. Yeah. Uh, now mean, she's ugh. got. Now she's got like a similar dress, but she's got like pants underneath it. Um, and then the the arcane design is kind of like a a redesign as well. So. I just I had some problems with that. I was just like, they don't. I guess it means they can run better, but just put them in pants. They still look great. So. So that that was my only problem with her yeah. whole 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 storyline, to tell the truth. I'm looking up now who voices her, because I didn't actually check previously. Uh I'm not sure. I don't think it's the same as the game, which I think is kind of a shame, but you know, it is what it is. Um no, I just sent you some images it? as well. Of... So so I say now who is Alora? I don't know who Alora is. Well, that's not helpful to me. Oh, my God. Oh, I think she's one of the people on the council. 
She's one of the random. I think she's just a random council member. Right, that makes sense. Um, yeah, she is voiced by. Um, <laughs> it would help if I actually remember the ca- the actor's name. Uh, we're like Erica Lindbeck. That's right. Who has done voice for League of Legends? I'm saying, oh my god, because looking at these pictures, the fuck, like the original, yeah. I hmm. clockwork sniper mad hatter. Yeah, and it's literally like a. Yeah, the the dress is like completely open shoulder, like strapless. Yeah. Oh my god! Is she supposed to be like an enforcer, police officer in that picture? Yeah, obviously. Can't you tell? She's got a gun. Oh my god! Why? But her redesign is very good. Yeah. Don't worry, listeners. I'll share it on the Instagram. It's it's not great. Um, I like her. As an investigator, the spunky investigator, very, um, what's the name what of the class from What class do you think she is? Uh, I would say she's a rogue. She's a, a rogue? Yeah. Rogue. I think so. Yeah. I think a lot of the characters are pretty Rogy. smart in this show. Well, high intelligence, I think, most. Yeah. I would agree. Um, it's, a, it's an intelligent show. Not, oh, except, except where Vi. would you put Vi? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Vi is a brawler barbarian. Like, we're well aware of that. Vi is not the smarts. Yeah. But that's fine, because she's got her girlfriend, Kate, to, like, like help her out. I think Vi has good wisdom, though. I'd put her high with. Mm, yeah, all right. I'll say that. I was going to say she's not so great with the empathy towards her sister, but that's um a momentary slip, which has caused so many yeah. problems since. How did you like, going back to Caitlin and her investigation of the crime scene, how did you like that as an investigation montage? Like, is that it how was you pretty, would do it for it a game? Was not, it was not very in-depth, honestly, you know? No. Like, there's not... It's like, oh, these are the same symbols I saw, and it's like the the neon paint, like the black light kind of drawings yeah, the of monkey. a monkey. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, no shit. Like, no one else... This is completely unique art style. Um, well, I feel that's kind of the point, that no one else is looking at this or putting any sort of connections together. They're just kind of sweeping it under the rug. Yeah, but I think that takes away from... Well, I think that's less of, like, a mystery investigation and more of, like, a conspiracy type thing, right? It's it's less of, like, oh, my God, I figured it out. It's more of, like... Well, I wasn't, f- I wasn't thinking yeah. like that. I feel like that's her piecing things together. That's her having six or seven adventures that we haven't seen and going, hey, there was this symbol at all of them, even though that was, like, three months ago. That sort of aspect. Obviously, it wasn't in this case. But I was thinking more on the ship, where she's like recreating what occurred and using that to track down where the um where the inf- the Silco's guy is. Yeah. Um I think it's more I think it was just like a it was a nice little scene to kind of showcase her competency as an investigator, okay. I think. Um, you don't think that's going think... into like investigation roles? I just don't think it's really much of like a it's it's included because it's like okay we we need to include this but I don't think it's really contributes much more beyond that and I don't think mm. I think it's like you you're running a game for a bunch of players that don't want to do like a mystery they don't want to investigate clues they don't want to figure stuff out they just want to oh, I just want to roll and like you just tell me kind of yeah there are some good ways of of doing that I know I've heard the gumshoe system is particularly good like that like it doesn't matter. You will always find something that will progress. What is the, the gumshoe system? It's a system, and it's gumshoes. Uh, so it's essentially like a film noir detective style oh, okay. uh, system, where it, it's basically not hiding something behind ability checks. So if she rolled, let's let's use this as an example. If she'd rolled poorly on the ship, wouldn't have found that guy. Wouldn't have had a lead later. But it's like, no, no, you did find this guy. And it's just now varying degrees of success depending on how well you rolled. Yes. Yeah. Um, Well, I guess that brings up the other thing of like, because I, you know, there's some advice about GMing and it says like, well, if there's a chance, if it's like vital information, don't have your players roll for it because they might fail. And it's like, well, what are you going to do then? Uh, But then I really like having my players roll for stuff. I I try to include a lot of rolls because... People like rolling dice. 
Um, I mean, that's so kind of why they're doing it. It's like you can just tell a story. Yeah, what's you really your take on that then? Like, My take on it is the varying degrees of success that I usually use this with knowledge checks as well. Like if somebody says, how much do I know about this place? Or do I recognize that coat of arms or something? I get them to roll and they're going to know something because they live in that world. Like their character knows stuff. But how much they yeah. remember at the time, how much they spot at the time, that's going to be a different matter. So I have those ranks of if they get above a five, they know this bit. If they get above a 12, they know this much. If they get above a 20 or something, then they know a great deal and they know some secrets about it sort of attitude yeah. because that way no, I'm always I, I going agree. to be giving them information. Yeah. I think that's the best way to do it. And I think, um, yeah, degrees of success is the best way to do it. And I don't think it's like hard coded into the rules of 5e at least. Um, no, it's not. And I think that, I think they're moving away from that as well, um, which is kind of, kind of a shame, but you know, you do your own game, yeah. put it in your game. It's great. I'm thinking the example from, from this episode, like, she would Caitlin was always going to find the thug. Like that was just kind of a given because that moves the story yes. along. But her investigation role determines, oh, he was hit by friendly fire. He wasn't just injured. Yeah. And, and also like the connection of- to Silco, like with the symbols yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So that's other information that if you only have, hey, he's a thug and he's not going to talk well, I can go somewhere else and find out who he works for or ask around about him. But because I rolled yeah. well right here, I've got more information that I can use in this very scene. Um, I like the idea I like the idea as well that there's just a million like bullet shells on the ground. And it's yeah. like clearly this is some advanced gun technology, but no one seems to like care about that. No one's like, oh my god, like a minigun's been invented. Instead mm-hmm. it's like, oh blue orb's been invented, like Yeah, blue orbs. You can hit it with a hammer and it doesn't create like explosions. It's great. Yeah. What else do you like about Caitlin? She was kind of the, um, I feel like she was the the focus of this episode, I'd say. She was, I feel. I really love her relationship with Jace. Like, yeah. So, like, it was being shown in previous episodes that they do have like this connection and I guess flirtation friendship. Like he was her mentor or her, her tutor, was that correct? Um, I'm not sure actually. I'm, I can't remember how they. Uh, I don't think it's very clear like how they know each other exactly. Well, her family yeah. was the one that um that uh was his patron. They like sponsored him. him. Yeah, yeah, they sponsored yeah. him. So I think they know each other that way. And Just I felt that, that like he think, lived yeah. in the in the manor with them. Yeah. Um, so it feels like uh, they're friends at least, but I like yeah. that moment when she's looking at the the map of all the different crimes and she climbs up on the little footstool and oh, is yeah. like looking down at it. And that means that she's the same height as him. Yeah. And that was just a nice little touch that like for the, the dynamic of the scene of like, no, no, they're on a level right now. Yeah. And she's like, and she, it shows her as like being pretty buff as well. For oh yeah, um, she's because you see her brother, like she's a cop. Yeah, well, like usually before when you see her, you know, she's all dressed up and you can't really tell. But then you see her like yeah. when she's recovering. Yeah, yeah, and she's got like the form fitting an outfit that could easily just be, you know, any New York apartment yeah. because obviously she's wealthy. Yeah, I, I just like them. I like that they've got a friendship and he's trying to help her out. And just that moment where she's just like, oh, what do you care about what the council thinks? Like, because I'm a counselor now. She's like, no, wait, what? <laughs> it's like, that's yeah, the kind of shit that you pull with friends. Um, Yeah, it's great. Uh, also, the classic, like, you know, very proper comes from a, a high class family, but like, they don't want her to do anything. You know, they want to keep her protected yeah. and safe and she's like no i want to go out there and do stuff it's again very cliche but yeah. yeah that's why i'm gonna hook up with my pink haired girlfriend who's from the wrong side of the tracks he's from the prison yeah. yeah i it literally was like five seconds where they didn't even like vi says something and that's it yeah like it's like who the fuck are you and it's like no no i shipped them so hard <laughs> Um, okay, well, here's, here's my thing as well. So, like, I think 
I, I think I mentioned before how like the show's very tight, right? Like everything is has a purpose. Pretty much everything you see is like comes back later. Um, do you think that maybe and that's in filmmaking, you know, it's called Chekhov's gun, right? That's just a good filmmaking principle. That's um, not filmmaking. Do you think that's okay? <laughs> is it writing? Is it... Yeah. Sure. Same. Chekhov right? didn't actually make films. Chekhov was a playwright. He was just a firearms enthusiast. Uh, he was. Yeah. Uh, same difference. Um, yeah. But do you think you can? There's a danger of having too much of it, right? Where it's like it oh, becomes predictable. Yeah, yeah. Well, it becomes predictable because you're like, oh, well, this this person is here, so that that means they have to come back later. And so far, everyone else has come back later. So I guess I know that this person is now going to be this mysterious stranger you know like yeah i i think that you can foreshadow things too heavily i don't think you can have i don't think you can have too much foreshadowing i think you can do it heavy handedly and it doesn't have the same impact like if you have somebody who's like i'm really powerful and i'm going to get you to get a mysterious object and it's like well i wonder if we'll see that mysterious object again at some point in the future um i kind of do a reverse when i'm running games I just kind of have go, what's what's something they can do? Cool, that's that's um great, go kill that giant. And then later on I'll bring that back. Later on, it's like, hey, you remember that thing you yeah. found in the giant's cave? It's actually important. Yeah, I guess it's it's just a matter of scope and scale, I guess, you know, and yeah. again just balancing it out by not not having like every NPC you meet be someone that comes back later right like you just pick and choose you pick and choose the ones that the characters are connecting with the ones that they've got some sort of relationship or has an interesting story with yeah yeah and just don't overdo it like most things yeah no no i feel you can get overburdened with with too many characters but i think this is a good example because they want to do an investigation. Hey, we've got this Caitlin character who's kind of connected with Jace. We can connect her with like a couple of other characters. There was a, there's, this is going into narrative structure. Um, and there's a quote from somebody who used to write for Neighbours um, uh, many, many years ago. Remember Neighbours? Everyone remembers Neighbours. And they were talking about how to make drama in a scene. If you have two characters who have a secret, have a third character find out that secret. And then now you've got three people who've got a secret and you have that third character tell a fourth character. And the more people you can bring in, the more drama you can have. Yeah. But they're all still connected through that one storyline. Okay. Yeah. I dig it. Yeah. That's a nice little kind of of rule or outline to have. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's that idea of don't always use the same characters. Don't always go back to the same well. Bring in someone new, and that way it'll create more drama. But you, if you've already got those characters there, like if you've got a, a smorgasbord of characters to choose from, you don't have to create one. You can just go, okay, well, now they're talking to his mother. Yeah, And now exactly. they're bringing into the role. And now they've got to deal with like whatever her deal is. Um, yeah, okay, I had a random thought because I was looking back over my notes about what was happening. Why Why were they smuggling Shimmer into Piltover? Well, where do they get Shimmer from? So do you think they... Do you think there's people in Piltover that want Shimmer? I figured that it was... Well, Zorn doesn't have a docks, does it? Like, they can't get airships to come and dock down there not airships they have just say ground ships they have water ships this this is what um this is what caitlin says that it happened at the hex gate so it's someone coming into to to piltover so you think they're exporting to elsewhere in the world yeah i think they're exporting to elsewhere in the world Okay. No, because they need a manif- mm, It's difficult to say whether they're delivering it or receiving it. But someone well, they does put they it manu- down. They so manufacture it. it. Like putting- they wouldn't be. They manufacture it. Okay. Yeah, I feel that's that it's a did. ship yeah. that's about to go out. Sure. That and makes sense. The, yeah, yeah, they're they're exporting it out of out of out of Piltover. 
That would explain why he's so angry about it. Well, he's angry about it because his shipment's gone. He's always angry. He's so angry. Why is he so angry? He's so angry. He's so angry. All right. Well, um, I think we answered that question. Well done, us. Uh, Nice. Anything? Let's go into the, the crit hit, crit fail section of the podcast. Okay. Um, this is a trickier one for me. This episode didn't feel like it had as much opportunity for crit successes and critical fails. Um, did you have one? Yeah. That, good, because uh, <laughs> I don't. Uh, yeah. I, I do, yeah. I think when Jinx goes to steal the gemstone, I think that's a crit success oh, yeah. for her. Like, everything goes how she wants it to go, you know? Yeah. Um, she even lures the cops in and kills them. You know, Caitlin's got the, she's got the colored hair, so she's got the plot armor. She's fine. Yeah. Well, the, uh, the other woman had got saved as well by getting sent to go get the fiber grade. Oh, that's true. Yeah. The other that's, woman. that's what women are for in, um, Piltover. They just run yeah. and get people. They did have the, like a, just a little, the little world building where there was a little like fire extinguisher surrogate. Yeah. Like. <laughs> I liked that. That was good. All right, yeah, I, I like that. The um, yeah, it's kind of all right. We're going back to to Blades of the Dark, and actually a subsidiary of Blades in the Dark, which is called um, Band of Blades. This is one where you're basically playing soldiers on the march, and the idea is that you get given two missions every session, and you as the characters pick which one you're going to go on, and the second one is decided by a roll, like a luck roll, and you can give benefits to it to make sure it goes smoothly, but it is decided on a roll. And that's kind of how the heist went because this week we're playing Caitlin's story. So we're going to decide uh, Jinx's adventure on a roll and she got a crit for it because everything went according to plan. Yeah. 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 That's cool. That Um, is cool. All right. Who am am I going to give one to? I'm going to give it to... Did I already give one to, to Jinx or did I give one to Powder? <laughs> I gave one to Mouse. Um, yes. And I gave crit, I gave a crit hit to, to Powder already. I'm going to give Jinx a crit fail um, this time. Uh, okay. Simply because just because a girl has pink hair doesn't mean she's your sister. I mean, like that's, that's just a perception check. That's well, like I'll tell you what, she didn't have the plot armor, that pink haired girl. She didn't? No. Well, see, she I was expecting did. it to be like, she didn't even look anything like Vi. I was expecting it to not even have pink yeah. hair. Like, this is just something snapped in in Jinx's brain. It was like, nah, that's my sister, gonna have to kill her. And it's just some random person. But she actually did look like her. She actually did have pink hair. See, yeah. she was trying to be a protagonist and unfortunately didn't work. Um, I'm intrigued to see what color the the leader of the Firelights uh, has for their hair. There was there was scheduling issues. Like she w- she wanted to join the campaign, but you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to give her a perception check fail on that one. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and that brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, choose, tune in next week uh, to listen to us talk about episode five. Everybody wants to be my enemy. Hey, that's the the lyric from the song that's in the credits. Uh oh, the misery. Oh, okay, that's what you're doing. I thought you were just saying, <laughs> "Uh oh, we've noticed the title drop." Um, subscribe wherever podcasts are found, so you can hear us every week. Uh, leave us a rating and a review wherever podcasts are found. You can do it in app. That's wonderful. Five stars gets out to more listeners. But also, if you like Arcane and you want to tell your friends about this podcast, that would be great. And if you just like D&D and RPGs and TV, tell them as well, because that would get us out to much more listeners, because you know what they like. Uh, you can find the podcast on social media with at dndntvpod on Instagram. You can send emails to dndntvpod at gmail.com. We are well, we're nearly at the halfway point for the season. So if you've got questions to come through, um, send them through. I've already got a couple in the, in the mailbag ready for our wrap-up episode afterwards. And um, we are brought to you by Masters of Alchemy. 
the premier game mastering service of Melbourne, which you can find at mastersofalchemy.au. A wonderful site design, running games at Fortress every week, Fortress Emporium, that is, for D&D. Other games, private games, events around the city. Uh, It is a fantastic service, and we are not just paid to say that. We're paid to run games, not plug the, the thing. That's what being brought to you each week means. Um, Afif isn't online because he's a, a killjoy and doesn't like internets. And uh, what else? I guess there's only one thing left to say. That is stay safe. Be kind to yourselves. May all your hits be crit, crits. And let's um, hex gate out of here. Zhong. This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. Always was, always will be. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging.